Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a quick and dirty tip about healthy versus healthful. I have a meaty middle by Ethan Sawyer about how to write the best SAT essay ever. And it'll help you write other kinds of essays, too. And I have a tidbit by Samantha Enslin about what it means to say someone has played fast and loose. You can learn to write better emails, blog entries, presentations, and more. And you'll save $200 by visiting mprofs.com slash grammargirl and using the promo code grammargirl. Today's quick and dirty tip is about healthy versus healthful. The problem is that some people insist that you can't say your salad is healthy. You have to say it's healthful because only healthful can mean conducive to good health. The thinking is that only a living thing can be healthy. If we're in good health, you and I can describe ourselves as healthy. Healthy is a personal characteristic. But things that are dead, things we consume like a salad, aren't healthy anymore. If they're good for us, they're healthful. Here's a joke from an 1895 usage guide that plays on this kind of thinking. The physician implied precise English when, to the inquiry whether oysters were healthy at certain seasons, he replied, I've never heard one complain of an ache or a nail. (laughs) That was the thinking in the 1800s when usage and etiquette writers railed against healthy and recommended healthful or wholesome. Of course, these were the same people who said you should call a woman's garment a gown and not a dress. Healthy has long been used to describe things that improve your constitution. The Oxford English Dictionary shows that healthy has been used to mean healthful or wholesome since the 1500s. Yet the rule makers railed against healthy in the 1800s, and it was in a battle against healthful for dominance for many years. Ultimately, though, as you may have guessed, people voted for a healthy diet instead of a healthful diet. I'll put the Google Ngram chart on my website that compares the phrases healthy diet and healthful diet in published books, books that have been edited. So you'll see that this battle was lost around 1940. And about 35 years ago, healthy diet took a dominant lead over healthful diet and just kept widening the gap. Today, although the Chicago Manual of Style and the AP Style Book do make a nod to that old traditional thinking, they both say it's fine to use healthy to describe something that's good for you. If you want to feign an old-timey air 
Or you're writing a novel set in the 1800s. You might want to use helpful, though. For example, here's a line from The Simpsons in which Homer is pretending to be Sir Walter Raleigh trying to court Queen Elizabeth. He said, quote, Your Majesty, I come from the new world with a gift, a healthful and slimming herb, tobacco. Unquote. And here's a line from the 1997 video game, The Curse of Monkey Island. Oh, gosh, yes, it's a very healthful drink. Even better for you than placing leeches on your tongue. <laughs> and if you want to sound even more archaic, you can use health some, health some, which people started using a few years before healthy, around 1530, and is now labeled rare and obscure in the Oxford English Dictionary. Some words win and some words lose. And some were born to sing the blues. <laughs> Random journey reference for you. And that was your quick and dirty tip. It's fine to use healthy to describe something that's good for you, though you may hear people also use healthful or wholesome. And you can get more tips like that in my book, 101 Troublesome Words. It's the last book I wrote, and I saved all the tricky questions like this one for last. And now onto The Meaty Middle by Ethan Sawyer, which is titled The Best SAT Essay Ever, or how your grandma's steamed fish can help you get into college. Six years ago, a student in my class named Joseph Sai wrote the greatest SAT essay ever. No joke. I'll share it with you in a minute. But before I do, let me set it up. T.S. Eliot claimed the only way to express emotion in art is through the use of an objective correlative. What's that, you ask? It's an object that you correlate to certain emotions. Okay, that's not much help, but here are a couple of quick examples that will help you understand. Number one, the one ring in Lord of the Rings. Think about it. It's not just a ring. It also represents greed and power and how power can corrupt and how power can help you do awesome things like turn invisible and sneak past Gollum, for example. Number two, the wilting enchanted rose in The Beauty and the Beast. It's not just a flower, right? It represents the selfishness that got the dude turned into a beast in the first place. Plus, it's a ticking clock. When the last petal falls off, well, I won't spoil it for the three of you who haven't seen the film. And finally, number three, the snow globe in Unfaithful. This film, co-penned by Oscar-winning screenwriter Alvin Sargent, has the most complex and clear use of an objective correlative I've ever seen in a film. But note that this film is rated M for mature. So how can you use an objective correlative to make a reader feel things? Step one is to program the object with qualities and emotions. What do I mean by program? When you introduce the object, Associate it with several emotions or values. For example, early in the film Toy Story, we see that Andy, Woody's owner, has written his name in big letters on the bottom of Woody's shoe. This image, Andy, scrawled in kid handwriting on the bottom of Woody's shoe, represents all the love, happiness, and friendship that connect Woody and Andy all of which are established during the opening You've Got a Friend in Me montage. Once you've associated your object 
with emotions and values, you'll have turned that simple object into a complex objective correlative that you can do stuff with. What kind of stuff? Like making the reader and viewer feel all sorts of things. So how do you do that? Step two, show the objective correlative in a new context. For example, in Toy Story, once Buzz Lightyear enters the scene and Woody is demoted to toy number two, the filmmakers need only show Woody looking at Andy, scrawled on the bottom of Woody's shoe, to let us know that Woody is now sad. Not just sad, angry, jealous, and perhaps even this complex cocktail of emotion that can't quite be put into words, but it can be put into an object. And there are at least three things that are great about this technique. One, by simply showing the object, the writer allows room for the viewer or reader to project his or her own feelings into the experience. In the Toy Story example, for instance, when we see Woody looking at Andy scrawled on the bottom of his shoe, and we know Woody is no longer Andy's number one toy, we're reminded of the time we felt replaced or forgotten. And all the writer had to do was show Woody looking at his shoe. It's amazing. Number two, this draws us more deeply into the story because now we're experiencing those feelings with Woody. And finally, three, it shows us the character has grown or changed. And you'll see this in the example below in a minute. Okay, so here's how all this can help you write an amazing SAT essay or other kind of essay. I'm going to read Ethan's favorite SAT essay ever, which he calls the Grandma's Steamed Fish Essay. And then we'll talk about the writer's use of the objective correlative. And a fun fact, this student had no idea what an objective correlative was and didn't know he was employing these principles. Later, he said he was just trying to write a good essay. Here's the essay prompt. I wonder if we're not breeding a society that lacks self-esteem. I don't think we pat people on the back enough, letting them know that being able to fix a sink is just as much skill as being able to score a touchdown or hit a home run, and more worthwhile if you ask me. People must be made to feel their value. This is adapted from Bill Lee, and this was the assignment. Should we give people more praise in order to build up their self-esteem? Write an essay that explains your views on this issue. Be sure to support your position with logical reasons and examples. You may use examples from history, contemporary events, art, science, literature, or personal experience and observation. And here's the amazing essay by Joseph Tsai. My grandma makes the best steamed fish. She garnishes a fresh fish with ginger, fresh green onions, and a special delicious black sauce. Every time my family and I go out to Monterey Park to visit her, she has two steaming plates of tasty, tender fish waiting for us. It has truly become one of our family traditions. That is, until my grandpa passed away this April. My grandparents were inseparable. My grandpa took care of my grandma while he still had strength, and my grandma watched over my grandpa after he had become weak. She perfected the art of creating succulent dishes that were easy to chew and swallow. Tofu, steamed egg whites, preserved vegetable porridge, and others. However, upon my grandpa's passing, 
my grandma became an entirely different person. She entered a melancholy state of depression which lasted for weeks. We often visited her to try to comfort her, but those steaming plates of fish no longer awaited us. She'd no longer leave her house to play mahjong with her friends. She began to sleep on my grandpa's side of the bed. When we went out to eat, she would usually just sit silently, only speaking when spoken to, answering with responses as short as possible. Then one day, when we were at Monterey Park, my dad brought back live crabs. We cooked them and began to eat, but decided the crab meat would be better with some sauce. My mom mixed some soy sauce with chili sauce and brought it back to the table. My grandma tasted it and, without a word, took the sauce back to the kitchen. I heard furious chopping for half a minute, and she came back with the sauce, which looked entirely different. She added minced garlic, some chopped basil, hot peppers, and sesame oil. It blended perfectly with the crab. We all praised my grandma, and soon the sauce was all gone. She smiled, went to the kitchen, and came back a few minutes later with more sauce. Soon, we finished all the crab at a record-breaking pace and flooded my grandma with more compliments. Afterward, I went out to play basketball at a local park with my brother. After a couple of hours of playing, we headed back, exhausted. As I walked in, I could make out the unmistakable aroma of my grandma's fish. Got it? The steamed fish is the object associated with emotion. But the million-dollar question is, how can this help you write an amazing essay, either for the SAT or your personal statement for college? If you visit the page for this segment at quickanddirtytips.com, you'll find a PDF of this essay with comments on all the important parts to help you see how you can use the same method to craft your essays. This is Grammar Girl episode 465, and you'll also find a link to the page in your show notes. For example, if you're listening using the Apple Podcast Player, Tap the little I in the circle. That segment was written by Ethan Sawyer, the college essay guy. For the past 10 years, he's been making counselors' lives easier, relieving parents' worry, and helping students write amazing college essays. You can find him at collegeessayguy.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. 
Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. And now let's see who played fast and loose this week. Oh, Tom Brady. We've spent years admiring your mad football skills, but now it seems you've been playing fast and loose with us the entire time. To play fast and loose means to act deceitfully, recklessly or irresponsibly. For example, a politician who steals money is playing fast and loose with public funds. A job candidate who pads his resume is playing fast and loose with the truth. And according to investigators, that's what the New England Patriots have done. The Patriots have been accused of deliberately deflating footballs before an AFC championship game against the Indianapolis Colts in January of 2015. They supposedly did this because Patriots quarterback Tom Brady likes to use balls that are slightly softer than usual. Allegedly, the balls Brady used in the game were deflated below the air pressure allowed by the NFL. An independent investigator found it, quote, more probable than not, unquote, that members of the Patriots organization did this on purpose, sneaking into a bathroom before the game to let air out of the balls. The investigators also found it more probable than not that Brady was generally aware of these efforts. Afterward, the Patriots staffers and Tom Brady denied it, but you have to wonder whether they're playing fast and loose with the truth. NFL executives seem to think so, since they suspended Brady for four games and levied a million-dollar fine against the Patriots. In fact, the term fast and loose itself comes from cheating gamesters. In the 16th century, tricksters at county fairs used to fool passers-by into playing a game they had no chance of winning. The unlucky players would try to catch a looped belt with a stick, that is, making it fast, as in hold fast, meaning tight, around the stick. But the tricksters held the belt in a way that it was impossible for the players to win. The tricksters kept the belt loose, cheating the players out of their money. And ever since then, people have been using the term fast and loose to describe any behavior that's shifty or deceptive. So that's your tidbit. To play fast and loose means to be deceptive, or irresponsible, and comes from a 16th century county fair game. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. That's it for this week. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find hundreds of other Grammar Girl articles and podcasts at quickanddirtytips.com. This podcast was recorded in the studios at the Reynolds School of Journalism at the University of Nevada. That's all. Thanks for listening. 
Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.